is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, he honestly, uh, in my mind, is a little bit like Amon Green. I think that's who he kind of compares to. Is He looks at times like he's kind of gliding, but he's got a really smooth stride, and I've never seen the guy get caught from behind. He's a big body, too, but has the ability to not only run through guys, but also uh, have a very subtle wiggle and, and, and make guy missing space. So he's a, he's a good back. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Uh, that was Barrett Rude uh, talking about um, Jonathan Taylor, reminding him of Amon Green when he was asked to compare him to another back. And now it's time for the Husker Online Mailbag as Mike Wheeler joining us in studio. Uh, lots of questions around Husker Nation this week. Mike, what do you have to lead us off with? All right, guys. So we heard earlier this week from defensive coordinator Eric Shenander about the staff possibly unleashing some of those younger guys these next few games uh, that still can possibly redshirt. So who are you guys most excited to see or who would you most like to see be out there? I mean, Keem Green, I think the fact that he's going to redshirt this year, I mean, he, he intrigues me. And then I'll put Hickman out there too. I just think um, there's something there with Hickman that they want to see more of and they like. And, and it's realistic that we could even see him a lot on Saturday. He's got two games left, but his perimeter blocking could be something really to watch. Yeah, those are the two obvious ones. Ty Robinson also is going to get uh, a pretty good workload. And, you know, they're talking about a defensive line that loses a lot next season. Uh, he is one of that new wave that uh, is going to be called upon uh, next year to take the brain. So uh, those two in particular, and then yeah, obviously Hickman. Uh, I'm curious to see how he's used over these next two or three games. How many does he have left? Two. Two. Because right, he this played is... one special teams game. Right, right, right. I think, I believe, is he played one on special teams and then one on offense. Okay. Well, because they don't know what his future is. Is he a tight end or is he a wide receiver? I think a lot of that depends on just how he fills out physically uh, and what his body does over the next year or two. Uh, but uh, regardless, he's going to be a factor because right now you could make a case that he is their best perimeter blocker. Well, yeah, that's big, and, and I agree with those. I also am interested to see Nick Henrich uh, this week. He'll, he'll be at least on some special teams, so uh, in, in kind of his first action back coming from, uh, from that shoulder injury. What do you got next? All right, guys, so heading over to basketball, I think a lot of people started this basketball season with pretty modest season goals. But after the first two games in that game against Stone, uh, what are you, what are your guys' new goals, or have they changed, or you know, kind of where are you guys at with the basketball team? I joked with Robin on Saturday. I mean, Southern Utah came in like I. I mean, I know a lot about college athletics, and I've never heard of Southern Utah until Saturday. I mean, it felt like the movie. Uh, we were joking like Blue Chips, and what was the other movie we talked about, Robin? Um, he got game when. Yeah. Like they would just play random schools like, like tech, tech tech U and, and big, big state, state. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> like Nebraska lost to a team like I mean they, I'm known disrespect to Southern Utah but man it's gonna be rough. Well, Southern Utah is a unique case. Their their head coach is the former head coach of uh, Finley Prep, who's a basketball power in uh, Nevada, and they've got a transfer from Iowa State, Jacoby Long, and Dwayne Morgan is from UNLV, who Nebraska offered out of high school. So you know they're a, a name you've never heard of, but they're talented but to the question uh i was going into this year saying if they could get to 500 that'd be a successful season uh, i don't know how likely that is anymore uh you're probably looking at single digit win total at this point uh just because they have so far to go much further than i think anybody expected so you got to look at kind of what you define as success differently uh this season outside of just wins and losses you know what how does the team grow i mean they're they couldn't have gotten much worse than that opener. How much different do they look come February, March than they do right now? I think that that's kind of what you got to take this whole season for what it is. 
All right, guys, uh, heading over, uh, we saw Chris Hickman was uh, now on the depth chart for wide receiver. Does he have the speed to succeed at wide receiver long term? I think he's fast enough. Um, guys that are that big generally don't run 4-4-40s anyway. I mean, you, you look at just big 6-6 six, six guys. Is he 6-6, six, six, Nate, or 6-5? I mean, he's a legit 6-5. But guys that big typically are, you know, 4-6 type long striders, maybe 4-7s. I mean, you don't have – I mean, Brian, Brian Reimer's – um, wasn't that fast and, I, I, and and he was he at least had a productive career um, you know as a guy that probably ran about a 4.7 or a 4.8 and Hickman's faster than that yeah Maurice Purify was not a burner by any means he could run well uh, but he wasn't like he was ripping off you know he wasn't a 4.4 guy or, or can you win a matchup yeah can you win a matchup can you catch the ball can you do something with it afterwards and and I think Chris Hickman can do that he did it in high school um, I mean, he's he's a really, really good athlete. And, and like Robin mentioned, he's probably right now the best perimeter blocker that they have. And so he's got some tools to work with there. He's really, uh, you know, he's got a lot of tenacity. It's something all the coaches have always mentioned about him. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that he does have the skill set to be a, a long-term wide receiver. And, Robin, maybe the weight hasn't gone on Chris Hickman as fast as they thought, and that that's probably played a factor in this. Yeah, I think it's that's part of it, the fact that you know the receiver depth right now is not good. Uh, and uh, honestly, I think the reason that why he's he made that move for this season uh, is to provide more blocking. I mean, the, the perimeter blocking has been absolutely atrocious this year, and they need all the help they can get. And if that's a way that he can make his uh, mark, uh, I mean, good for him. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he alternates between both positions the rest of the way. All right, guys, sticking over or heading back over to recruiting. Uh, quite a few offers this past week went out to JUCO guys, and Red Sea Scrolls did have a heyday with that. But <laughs> who among those guys do you feel Nebraska has the best shot with? So one, one of the guys that's coming in this weekend, I think they've got a pretty good shot at is Jamoy Hodge, who is, uh, could, be, could be an outside or inside linebacker out of Independence Community College, 6'2", 6'3", about 215, 220 pounds. Um, and the interesting thing about him is he was a qualifier out of high school. He's originally from North Carolina, I think right outside of Charlotte somewhere. And, um, you know, he was a qualifier, just didn't have very many big offers. So he decided to go the JUCO route and it's paid off. He's gotten here just over the last few weeks. He's picked up a couple of big 10 offers, Arizona just offered out of the pac 12 SMU just offered. So, um, you know, but I, I do think that Nebraska has got a good shot with him and, um, there's a couple other guys. Devere Levelston is a D end out of uh, out of Texas. Um, you know, Lavar Gardner is out of Hutch, kind of a DB linebacker, you know, hybrid type of guy. There's, I, I would say, there's probably six or seven JUCO guys out of out of the 14 or 15 that they've offered recently that they they've got at least a pretty good shot with. All right, guys. Uh, do you believe, uh, you know, after the Maurice Washington situation kind of unfolded, do you believe that we will still see some significant portal action after the season with guys who still aren't on board or have yet or have been told that they're not good fit for the scheme wise? I just think in general you're going to see portal action every year on every team in college football. It's just going to happen when guys go on scholarship and they're highly recruited and they're not playing and it's not going to their plan. They're going to put their name in the portal because there's so much more transparency. 
Um, and I think Nebraska will always keep two to three spots in their pocket to find portal players on the flip side. So, yes, I do think you'll – I don't want to put a number out there, but there's going to be the natural, what, three to five every year, I think, that leave. Yeah, and especially when you're not winning. I mean, guys are going to get disgruntled. If you're not playing on a team that's not winning, uh, their greener pastures look a lot more appealing. Yeah, I, I just think that's part of what it is with college football these days. You're going to always have probably at least three every year uh, that, that decide to, to look for opportunities elsewhere. And especially early on, you know, with this new staff and everything, I, I think that, um, that that will probably lend itself to having it maybe more than usual. All right, final question, Mike. What's next? All right, guys. So this was self-dubbed by the poster, a sentimental question of the week. Here. <laughs> but with the amount of emotion that Garrett Nelson displayed after receiving that black shirt, does that give you legitimate hope for the future, just seeing how much that meant to him? You guys did touch on it, but kind of just for, uh, for future things with uh, black shirts. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it like that because Garrett Nelson has been that guy no matter who the coach is. I mean, I saw Bob Diaco make Garrett Nelson cry when Bob Diaco Yako offered the yeah. scholarship to him. So <laughs> um, Garrett Nelson is this emotional guy in general, um, but I, I just think it was more a statement of the way they want the culture to be going forward. That's encouraging that you have a young guy like that. I mean, along with Damian Jackson, who's just a sophomore who uh, are establishing themselves as true leaders of this team. Uh, and so I, mean, I think they have a good young core of guys that are quickly starting to grow into those respected locker room roles that, as we all know, are so pivotal to uh, you know this really becoming a successful program. Yeah, I th- I th- it's definitely encouraging. And these are the types of leaders that, that these coaches have wanted uh, since they arrived here and that they've talked about. And and uh, you know now that you've got a couple, it's going to be easier to, to grow and develop a couple more. And, and from here, it'll just kind of snowball, I think. All right, that wraps it up for the mailbag. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.